A great big thank you to Brianna Hoffman, a realtor located here in Utah. She helped me sell my own home and buy my new home that I built here, and I can't say enough good things about her. Did you know that there are 10 days of the year where historically people have saved the most amount of money on buying and selling their homes? Well, seven of those days happen to be in the month of December, believe it or not. Go over to Brianna-Hoffman.com and make sure to contact her and she can help you get a quote on your house and get excited to buy something that you'll love. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 70, No Limits with Melinda Bird. Thank you everybody for the ratings and the reviews and all the podcast love. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We had a blast down in Arizona. We almost didn't make it to Arizona. We almost had to turn around. The weather was crazy. We had like 80 miles per hour winds and semis tipped over. And I was very excited once we hit the pillow at my sister's house that night. It was a little nuts, but we had such a good time and got to see all the fun cacti. And I feel like a big grown up saying the word cacti correctly. I am going to turn over to this week's interview with Melinda Bird. Melinda, I saw her speak at a speaker showcase about a month and a half ago. I was so inspired by her unoffendability and her zeal for life. She did not come across as someone to pity by any means, and yet her circumstances, it would be easy to feel bad for her, but she thrives in the body and the life that she was given, and so I'm so excited to share her here with you, and I know that you will gain something that you can apply in your own life. Welcome to the podcast, Melinda Bird. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Um, So we met through NSA, National Speakers Association. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Right. I was born with a rare disability that is called sacral agenesis. There is another name for it, but I don't use that one because it's it's not what I'm used to. It's something that's come up recently. Okay. So I I go by sacral agenesis. Um, Basically, what that means is my spine stopped growing in the bottom of my rib cage. I have feet, toes, everything, mm-hmm. but they're just super small. Mm-hmm. And my feet look maybe like a toddler size. So the lower half of my body is about a third the size of my upper body. Mm-hmm. And um, my knees are, I have webbing behind my knees, which makes it look like I'm kneeling all the time. Okay. So, and it's, that helps a lot because when I walk on my hands, Mm-hmm. They don't drag. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, like just, you walked into yeah, my house. Yeah, yep. and so they, they just stay tucked right up. and. Well, and you have it down to such a science. Yes. I wish people could see that, but you had your hands in your tennis shoes. Yep. And then you walk into my house on your hands. Yes. Which is pretty incredible. Right. And I do that when it's just not necessary to use my wheelchair. If I'm out and about doing errands or going to work or whatever, then I use my wheelchair just because it's more convenient. Right. I can't imagine walking everywhere on my hands. The wrists. Well, the wrists, I would be probably super tired, dead maybe. Oh, yeah. You know? You couldn't keep But that yeah, up. the wrists more than anything because even in my wheelchair, people miss me. Right. Because I'm so much shorter than everyone else. Right. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd be trampled. It'd be yeah. like Black Friday on yeah. steroids. <laughs> it would be. It really would be. Um, and you're 46, you I said. I am 46. And where do you live? I live in Cedar Valley, Utah. Okay. 
which is a very rural community. Mm-hmm. We love it out there. Unfortunately, they're going to start building. Yeah, isn't that the worst? It's so sad because that's why we all moved out there. And of course, the construction company is like, we're going to bring so many jobs. And all of us are like, we don't need them. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. I just think it's just progress. Yeah. And there's no stopping it. There's not very many places left to build. So Agreed. I know. That's why I love that we're backed up to a horse pasture because I'm like, don't sell the pasture. Or if you do, sell it to us because I just love the wide open space. There's nothing like it. Right. And you have 11 fur babies? I have 11 fur babies. Which is amazing. Yes. Seven (laughs) dogs, one cat, one bunny, and two sugar bladers. Oh, that's so fun. So fun. I think I'm crazy at times, but they're my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You probably are a little crazy. We're all a little crazy about some things in our life, right? Oh, yeah. And they, they, seriously, they are my kids and they are spoiled rotten. (laughs) They run my house. (laughs) You're just a guest. Yes, I am. I'm there to, to give them their food and to give them loves and stuff. It is their, it is their house. That's hilarious. And remind me what you do for work. I work for the federal government. I'm a management assistant and in April it'll be 28 years. 28? Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for you. So you must've started right out of high school. I did start right out of high school. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, can you explain to, you did just a little bit, but can you explain to listeners what sacrilegenesis, did I say that right? Yes. What it is and how does it affect your day-to-day life? Um, it's, my parents, when I was born, they were told that it is a, a genetic thing. And so the doctors pretty much said that there had to be somebody on both sides of the family that had a child like me. And my relatives have said, you know, in the past that they remember like a baby being carried on a pillow that didn't survive very long. And then even on the other side, too. And wow. so, lucky me, <laughs> my parents met and fell in love and woohoo. Mm-hmm. Here you are. Here I am. Mm-hmm. I do have an older brother. And, well, let's just leave it at that. I have an older brother. No, <laughs> she rolls kidding. her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love him to death. And he's he's married and has three kids that are, I consider mine too. You know, my Which I'm children. guessing are also spoiled rotten. They are. They are. They are um, older though. I mean, he, my nephew is married and... Um, then I have two nieces, and the youngest niece is in the senior this year. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, back to the disability. I use a wheelchair, like I said, and you know, for the most part, I don't know anything different. So this is just regular life to me. I've my whole life, I've had to learn how to do things differently. You know, but there is a way to do them. You know, it's I can do pretty much everything anybody else can. I just might do it a different way. You know, and. That's where I'm lucky with my parents because they told me, you know, there you can do anything you want. You know, you just have to have the desire to do it, you know. And, of course, like, when I was three years old, my parents put me on my first three-wheeler. I mean, a, a, an actual three-wheeler, not like a battery-operated one. It was the gas, you know, and, yeah, and they told me to go and, yes, you know, and stuff. So That's right. You do four-wheeling, right? I you? do four-wheeling. You have an ATV? I used to. We sold them all because we kind of, everything got crazy and they're just kind of sitting in the garage and they, if you don't use them, they rot, you know, and stuff. And so I'm sure we'll go back to it maybe when my nieces and nephew start having their kids and, you know, but we all love camping and everything. And I, I do whatever. I mean, we used to have a boat too. And I have to say this summer, I learned how to wake surf behind it. No way. Yeah. And so it's, it was pretty cool because... You know, my brother, he's he's very supportive, and he said, he's like, I know you can do this. 
Mm-hmm. We've just got to figure out how we can get you, you know, in the right spot and everything. And he did maneuver the boat to kind of help me get up out of the water and stuff. But yeah, I did it. My nieces were there too. And they were just freaking out because they're like, oh my heck, she's better than I am. And that was like my first time trying. So <laughs> you're like, I'll take it. Yeah, that's right. You know? And so I, can you, can you swim? Yes. With just I, hands. That's going to be hard. It doggy paddle. Okay. You know, just doggy paddle. Um, I do get a little bit nervous to not have any type of flotation device because you know, I'm short, not going to be able to reach the bottom. And so, right. How t- do you know how tall you are? I'm like two feet, two inches, two feet, two inches. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's, that's just like my, with my arms and my head, you know, I'm probably taller if you actually measured like from my toes, my legs and everything like that. But to me, they don't factor in. So cause they're kind of folded. Yeah. Under, and right? so I just go by how I'm standing in a reach. Two, two. Yeah. Two, two. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You talk about having no limits, and I kind of already hear that theme as you talk about the way that your parents influenced you growing up. What does having no limits mean to you? No limits means to me that you don't let other people stop you. You know, I in my life, I've had people tell me, you can't do that. You know, and that, honestly, that's the worst thing that you can say to me because even if I might not be able to, I will kill myself trying just because you said I can't. You know, um... I don't know if that's the best way to look at it, but, <laughs> you know, I'm just very driven and I, I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try anything. And I, that's kind of, I drove my parents crazy growing up because of that. But, um, you know, don't let people tell you you can't do something if you know in your heart you can. It also goes the same thing for yourself. Don't limit yourself. And by not limiting yourself, I mean, don't let people or be willing to let people help you. Do you know what I mean? Because that, that's limiting to ourselves if we're not willing to let others help us. You know, we all want to always want to help other people. But when it comes to ourselves, it's like, no, I don't need the help. And that has been one thing that's been really hard for me to learn, you know. And, yeah, it, I think that's probably my biggest thing. That's where I limit myself the most. And I It's I, taking help. Yeah. I just, I, I can do it, you know. And, and that, that's, that's a bad way to be. Because you're taking away from other people by doing that. Because they can, you know, it's good for people to help each other. That's kind of what we're here. Well, and I I wholeheartedly agree and have noticed that when people allow me to help them, they really are giving me permission. Exactly. To then accept their help. Exactly. It's it's a give and take. It's yes. receiving and... Yes. What am I trying to say? Receiving and giving. Giving and receiving. It's yes. a full cycle. Yep. And one really can't be as powerful without the other. Yes. And that's just it. And I I know it's hard, believe me. I know it's hard, but it's just okay. You know, you don't want to deprive somebody of that feeling because I feel good when I help people, you know, and I don't think it's fair to be like, no, you can't help me. I can do everything on my own always. And, And you know, the thing is, is we can't. We really can't. We might think we're doing it, but there's always somebody maybe unseen some force or something. We can't do everything by ourselves. Agreed. So. So how has compassion helped build you up through the years? The biggest compassion for me were obviously was my parents and my brother and even my extended family because they were around, you know, when I was born. Um, when I was born, my 
parents were told by the doctors just to let me die. Let nature take take its course and let her die. There's nothing right with your baby, you know. I have to say that was like the worst thing you could have said to my mom, especially. Um, She had me cesarean, and I think if she could have got up out of the bed, she probably would have choked the life out of the doctor. I do know she said, you get in there and do whatever is necessary, you know. But they just kept saying that that's where I think I first with the limits because they told me, you know, my parents that she will never do anything. She will never sit up. She will never talk. She will just basically be a vegetable her whole entire life. First few years of my life I spent with my dad's mom. And she was determined that I was going to survive. Even my grandpa too. Um, but my both of my parents worked, so I was up there every day, you know. And my grandma, she would talk to me all the time, you know, do all this stuff, play with me. I don't think she ever got anything done during the day, <laughs> you know. Um, but she, I was talking at 18 months wow. in full sentences. I could carry on conversations with adults, you know. And yet they say that I wouldn't be doing anything, you know. But so, like, with that has helped me, I think, the most, my family. But then other people, too, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I had a lot of family co-workers that rallied around me. Um, when I went in to have the tumor removed, my work knew I had my dogs and they knew that I was gonna have to kennel them to recover and they took up a collection wow. to pay for my dogs to be kenneled. You know, So compassion is everywhere and that's where I say, you need to allow people to help you. You know, and, and it's so sad if we don't because we're, we're just depriving us and them, you know, but, and then probably the biggest is when I lost my mom, you know, my dad, I obviously I miss him a lot, but I had my mom to lean on, but with her, my brother really stepped it up and he would call me every single day, you know, and make sure that I was getting up and getting the things done that I needed to do. What he doesn't realize is seven dogs don't allow you to stay in, just bed. Stay in bed. You weren't lounging around no. watching Netflix. No, but, you know, it, there were other things, too, because as much as my fur babies love me, it's not that human interaction, and that's what my brother was giving me because there were times that I just didn't even want to leave the house, you know, and that, that happens to me even now. I find myself, the more I spend at home, the more I'm like, you know what, I'm good, <laughs> and I turn into a hermit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so... We yeah. need that human connection. We do. We so really bad. do. And that's kind of what I love about NSA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. What, speaking of which, what role does human connection play just in your overall emotional health? Like I said, when I see myself starting to just withdraw from the world, I know that I need to get out and do stuff. And that's why this time of year, I save all of my leave and take the whole month of December off so I can go volunteer with two animal rescue groups. And that's really where my passion lies because of my fur babies. And most of my fur babies are rescues. So it really hits home with me. Um, It's not that I go to the shelter and walk animals, dogs or whatever. I used to, but I've gone to more of the events. And this year, um, well, every year, like this time, we would do gift wrapping up at Barnes & Noble for donations. And I, I volunteer with the Humane Society of Utah and Utah Animal Advocacy Foundation. And this is the first year for them, the Utah Animal Advocacy Foundation. 
And I just kind of took the lead on that. And I was like, I'm going to do it whether they like it or not. And then just present the money to them, you know. But then my friend who is the founder of it, she's like, no, we'll help. When she found out it was going to do it, whether she wanted it done or not. And then it's funny because the Humane Society wasn't going to do it this year either. And I kind of pushed the issue. And so they said, if you want to take the lead, which is very odd for a volunteer, because they usually do. But it's that stuff with it going up and being with people and wrapping their gifts, you know, and talking with them and finding out why they're buying the stuff they're buying, you know, and, and it's just really good this time of year to get out and do that. And the guys, when you wrap something for their wives or their girlfriends, they're like, oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. My, you know, my wife is going to love it. And we're like, it's wrapped with paper, dude. <laughs> like you could do yes, this. Yes. You know, but fact. they, but they're like, oh, it would never look that good if mm -hmm. I did it, you know? So we all need that compassion and I do get it from my fur babies, but we all do need that personal connection with people too, because that's how humans are. We need that. We need to be able to talk to other people. And that's one thing that is kind of sad with the cell phones and texting and everything. I mean, I even find myself too, it's like, or voicemail when you're calling someone you're like, don't pick up, don't pick up. I just want to leave a voicemail, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, or just text or, you know, and I think kids today are, are losing that ability to communicate. Yeah, no, for sure. We're losing it and we got to do everything we can to keep it alive. Right. If there's someone listening that's struggling, just kind of as we close up here, what would be your message to them? Because you know struggle. You don't know their exact struggle. Right. They don't know your exact right. struggle. But we were just talking before we started that suffering is suffering. And it's almost like you've been behind a curtain that you didn't know existed before. And once you've been behind, you have, I believe you have a greater capacity to love and connect and empathize. And I know you have that. I've, I've interacted with you enough to know that and heard you speak. What would be just a, a final message for someone that's behind that curtain? You know... I think the biggest thing is just take it one day at a time. You don't have to do everything all at once. You know, if, if it's a loss of someone, it's going to hurt for a while. We're all different. You know, things hit us differently. Sometimes things take a little bit longer for someone than it doesn't for somebody else. But I think the biggest thing is just take one day at a time. Don't, don't bury yourself down and like, well, I should be doing this or I should not be feeling this way anymore or, you know, don't beat yourself up, I guess, is what the biggest thing is. Just have compassion for yourself because it is a struggle and you just need time to get through it and it will get better. might be a while, but it will get better and, and reach out. I think that's a big thing to reach out to people who you know and love and they love you. Absolutely. It's so interesting to hear that a lot of the advice you just gave is the same advice that Clint Pulver gave when he was on the podcast. He talked a lot about reaching out and being willing to accept yep. help. Yep. And I know in my own life that has, it really truly has saved my life being willing to be vulnerable and say, I'm not okay to people that can help me. Right. And that's why I was saying with the limits, yep. don't limit yourself because you're not willing to let people help you. Because of your pride. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on thank the podcast you. today. This has been awesome. And you you do speaking. I've heard you speak. If people just want to find out more about you, is there any places they could contact you at? Um, 
I can also leave it in the show notes. Okay. Um, probably my email is the best. What's your email? It's melindabird73 at gmail.com. Very cool. So awesome. I unfortunately don't have a website yet. We're working towards all of that, but... But you will one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, I will. Definitely. Cool. So. Cool. Well, thanks again for being thank on. Thank you so much. I love specifically how Melinda really hit hard on giving and receiving and how it is strength to be willing to accept help. This girl, she does not like to take no for an answer, as you can see, but she also knows when to ask for help. And I think both of those two attributes are so important if we want to leave an intentional, powerful life where we can reach out and see other people by first taking care of ourselves. Once again, a big thank you to our sponsor for the week, Brianna Hoffman, the one, the only, the realtor that I love that helped me buy my house and has helped several different ICU podcast listeners buy theirs already and sell. There are 10 days in the year where people historically have saved the most amount of money and seven of those are actually in December. So coming up December 7th, 8th, 21st, 26th, and 29th, historically people have saved more money buying and selling homes than other days of the year. So it's not too late and it's not a bad time. Go ahead and go to her website, brianna-hoffman.com. Podcast listeners, Thank you for being here. I hope you're having a lovely winter and I'll see you. Nope. I will talk to you next week on the ICU podcast. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.